Hey, what up? It's Eric Hulker in the Incredible Hulk podcast as we are celebrating Black History Month. And for the second episode, I got to sit down with my dear friend Scott Welch and we talked about a ton of stuff. Etymology of words, we talked about jazz, we talked about hip hop, we talked about culture and the importance of travel in understanding other human beings. I hope you love this as much as I love putting it together. This is the second episode of the McDonald's podcast for Black History Month. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Often raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. So, Scott, it is such a pleasure to be able to sit down with you. I know we've talked about doing this for a long, long time. We've, we've known each other, uh, in full disclosure, we've known each other for almost two decades, right? right. We just haven't had a chance to sit down and, and do this. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank uh, you. Especially as we celebrate Black History Month. Yes. For people who don't know who you are and, and the mm-hmm. stuff that you've been doing, can you give like an elevator pitch? You know, you've mm. been in diversity training for two decades. We've right. done the pastor thing and, and right. right film and like you've done right. a whole bunch of stuff right. that, that right. brings this rich experience to this conversation. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to set the table very quickly and then like get into the interesting stuff. Yeah, right? no problem. So I, I've been in diversity and inclusions for about diversity inclusion for about 25 years working out in New Jersey with a, a large magazine there working with a fortune 500. Um, I uh, flew back and forth to Grand Rapids doing that. My office was in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, kind of coming back to this community, was born, essentially born and raised here. My kids are fourth generation Grand Rapidians. Um, and of course, I love community. And so I've always we created something called the Mosaic Film Experience, which really helps uh, high school kids and college kids serve at a cat, as a catalyst for uh, storytelling. And uh, we want to equip them to be problem solvers, right? Um, and then I also do something around welcoming and belonging, a community where how long does it take for people to connect? So that's the belonging initiative. But I would say that the common thread in everything I do, um, even with all the different things I've done, is I love bringing community together. And I think that has a lot to do with my interest and my heart for diversity and inclusion. Now, we are at Madcap Coffee. That's the noise that right, you're right. going to hear behind us. The last time you and I were here, you told me this really interesting story that I, I didn't actually know about your radio days, right? right. And, and that's kind of the, the nexus of black and white radio, right? Right, like, right. The way you tell it, it was almost like the two of you hanging out with some sort of like party trick, and you're like, well, let's just turn it into a like a No, a that's thing, so right? true. And, and I just thought, what an, what an interesting way to tell that story that people thought, well, we'll invite them because there's this weird, odd couple of a black guy and a white guy, right? <laughs> right, and, and, exactly. And you, you, know, you did what you do yes. well is turn that into a way to bring two cultures together, right? Yeah, I, I'm always so interested in bringing cultures together. I just really, that's my heart is to see community to come together. So you knew Rick Wilson, so I call sure. him my Scott Jars brother from another mother, <laughs> right? And uh, just, just an amazing individual. Um, and, you know, we were at a Panera Bread years and years ago, and uh, he w- we were just talking back and forth. He said, Scott, do you ever think that people would listen to this on the radio? I said, I don't know, but what I knew of talk radio at the time, I'm like, I don't want to beat up on anybody, Rick. Right. He right, said, right. what if I can give you, offer something different? I said, okay, well, I'll, let me check and see. And so I went and asked my, some of my DNI clients, I said, would you be willing to support a, a show that did this? They're like, yeah, tell me more about that. So we ended up selling 90% of our, our inventory out before we ever said a word on, on, on the air. And that was my proof that I needed to do it. Sure. Fast forward eight years, we, we, did, the, um, we did the show. 
Rick got sick, uh, but before he left here, he said he, he, he started a book called Plantation Jesus. And he said, hey, brother, listen, um, if, I, if, I, you know, if I leave here, you got to finish that book. But if I stay, I'll finish that. I said, well, I'd like you to prepare to finish the book. Rick. Sure. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah, right. But he ended, up, you know, he ended up going to heaven and he ended up passing. And so I just, my commitment to him was to finish the book. I had no idea how to go about that. But uh, I just knew I had a commitment to my brother. Sure. And so fast forward, Plantation Jesus is there. It's on the shelves. Got a great uh, book deal to kind of finish it. And it's just my way of honoring him and honoring his family, who I still, you know, I just love. And I talked to his, uh, talked to Lori, his, his uh, widow, generally once a month I'll call and say, hi, Lori, how you doing? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and interesting segue, right? Because it's 2019. Yes. Right. We're heading into an election year. and We are. Although it feels different, right? I, right it's right. different than right. Right. the 60s and the 70s. Yep. It still feels like when we're talking about race and culture and inclusion and Black History Month, we still have a ton to talk about. We do. I mean, we just, you know, and the thing, too, for me is that there's some things you expect that we would kind of, um, we're still, I think we're, we're making efforts. I think there's certain events that set us back. Sure. Um, but I do think that um, we still have to do the work. And I tell folks, okay, you know, I, God put me in an African American, in, in, in African, in brown skin, right? Right. And there's still responsibility to go around, particularly as, as a person of faith. I believe that I have responsibility. Everybody has it in some way. It might be different. Um, but we all have a vested interest in making our communities better, right? And that's not letting anybody off the hook, myself included. Sure. We all have a, we all have a responsibility to help make community better. To jump off of yeah. that, and which is why I was excited to talk to you this week, because coming off of last week, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if you're listening to this any other place than the west coast of Michigan, we had a dire ice storm, then an ice storm yes, on top of that, and then snow on top of that. And so we were essentially <laughs> out of power for five days right. in a state of an emergency. Yes. And I, I shared that not for anyone to go, oh, I hope right. everybody. What I thought was interesting is everywhere I went, strangers wanted to help you because they knew the world was on fire at that That's point, good. right? Like you go, to, you go to the grocery store and everyone's a little bit nicer than they yes. normally are. And like I had to move a couch and a guy I didn't know came over and helped me move it right wow and but as but then but then we dig out of this and right. we go right back to the tribalism that oh, we're struggling with right and, that's and a it's great comment here wow. and it's interesting to me that when we actually need each other there is no literally no hesitation yes right like i'll help you you help me right push your car out of the ditch whatever yes but when it's 40 and sunny you know it, it's lions and bears again right we're back to the tribalism and your something. team versus my team yes and and, and I don't know what it is and why yeah. I wanted to throw it to you. Like, cause I think there's it's something good. there about the, the, the struggle to pull a community together you and know, then it pushes it back to tribes. Yeah. And I think to your point though, Eric, I think, um, struggle is a part of the human condition. And I think when we find ourselves in places of struggle, it's actually where our humanity really connects with each other. So I, the, the, when you said that, I was like, you know, my mind went back to nine 11. Sure. On that day, man, it was like, you go to a gas station. Hey, how, how you doing? I mean, strangers and even New Yorkers were nice, right? And, and I love them, but they were extra, they were sweet sure. that time. Yeah. And I think when you talk about places where, you know, you talk about snow, um, people without power, I mean, we had 
our friends that stayed over for two nights because they had no power for two days. And that's real. We, right? we stayed at a house of a guy I've never met. I mean, come my, on. My, my, my wife's sister was house sitting and she called him and was like, hey, they don't have power. And he's like, yeah. yeah. I don't even know who this is. I've never seen him, never met him. never. See, but he's like, yeah, come on over. Whatever. That's where that humanity, I believe, connects. So one of the things I really love in my, my travels, I spent time in South Africa. And one of the ideologies they have there that is very, pre, pre, very dominant there is called Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is I am because you are, right? And so what it says is, is to the degree that I acknowledge your humanity is to the degree I'm more human. Sure. To the degree I, I marginalize your humanity, I'm less human. And I think that Ubuntu is when you, when you bump into that kind of ideology, it's the person that will say, you know what? He just needs help moving his couch. I mean, right. that's a human thing, right? And so a car is stuck. A couch needs to be moved. Someone needs shelter. If if our if we are you know in some degree um, woke as as people like to say, we're gonna help, and I think we should help, and generosity I think it, it also kind of can do something around breaking the hearts of other people open as well, and kind of shows us where we are when we see like the lady I think it was New York, she bought hotels for seventy people or something. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm like wow, you know. So it's stuff like that. Uh, I think, you know, talk about February every month. I just think that I've always looked at it as a human thing. And once we realize that we're, we're different for a purpose, that's beautiful. I mean, we live in a land of snow. There are no two snowflakes are alike. So why would God lose his imagination when he comes to people? Right. Right. right? Yes. And we can still be unified and not be uniform. And so that's where I think that we need to have a better understanding, a better, a deeper epiphany of our humanity and say, you know, I'm helping you because you're human. And you have just as much right to come to the table that I am, despite your humanity qualifies you to be here. How does someone start that, right? Because one of the things about you that, that I think makes people gravitate towards you is your globalism. You've traveled a lot. You've yes. consumed a lot. You've, you've gotten to experience a lot of cultures that yes. maybe... Um, I'll be generous and say 90% of the planet probably hasn't been able to okay. do, right? So yes. you're able to look at, right. you know, and you know the etymology of words mm -hmm. in South African languages that, right, like, and all of that stuff has a profound impact when yeah. someone speaks to you, right? Yes. And you've got this, this library of knowledge. Yes. But let's stick here locally for a second, right? Yes. And we go to Sand Lake. Yes. How does that happen there, right? You know, where, where most of those people probably don't travel as much. No, they're no. they're not as global, right? Um, they're that part of the the world can be a bit isolated, right? Insular, and, isolated. Yeah, insular. Right, right, right. Yes, that. I understand. Like, like, how do we start to 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 melt that sort of divide? That in many ways I don't think is intentional. It's right. No, you're just right. Just generational. Right. 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 You know, here's the thing. One of the things I say is like when you think of um, when you see a picture of um, a family. I remember during Hurricane Katrina, there were many, many uh, different images that came out of uh, New Orleans. But you'd see a mom crying, or even today, you see a, online, you see a, a tears of a man, right, as he looks over the body of his child, or a, or or uh, tears related to being elated and happy, right. Those are the things when I would go, if, or Sand Lake, or wherever I'd go. There's that human connection. Now, of course, based upon the the person that you are building this connection with or just saying hi based upon their baggage and their, and we all got baggage right sure. it's just different right. types right yes. they may not say anything but if you if they do make time and space in their life for you at that moment you might be standing in line for coffee right hey how you doing well yeah this weather's really something else those are those 
those are those windows of opportunity just to say, hey, I acknowledge your humanity. How you doing? Right. Say hello. One of the things I do is when I sometimes when I'm uh, speaking, I'll say, how many dads we have in the audience? And they'll raise their hand. How many dads have teenagers? They're like, oh, boy. And they'll right. say, I'll get a chuckle. Yep. And I'll say, you know what? That translates into every language. Right. <laughs> right. right. Because right. Yeah, yeah. a teen is a teen is a teen. And so I try to try to find those things that we have in common, yet celebrate the beauty of our differences. Right. And sometimes that's a song. Sometimes it's 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 music, whatever it might be. I try to find some points of commonality and then build out from there. In your 20 years of diversity mm -hmm. inclusion, it's obviously changed. Right. Yes, it has. Since the yeah. 90s. Yes, it has. What are some of the differences you're seeing now? Because the division, which is what a lot of people talk about, the division that's right. happening in this country right. makes a lot of things more difficult than they need to be. Um, well, true. And, and, I, and I'm interested in your perspective when you go into a company that's looking for your advice. Yeah. How do you approach it differently in 2019 than you might have in 2006? Yeah. And, and, you know, and what does that look like? You know, so uh, around 2006, we're just coming out of um, this whole idea. You know, people didn't really understand to some degree the difference between diversity, inclusion, cultural competency, affirmative action, valuing differences, all those things, right? So I think there's, there's more of people building, they're developing their language. Because we're more global as a society, ignorance is not bliss anymore. And the internet essentially takes away all of our excuses to not have at least some insight into other cultures. Sure. Um, and then I think now from a business standpoint, I'm finding in the marketplace is that organizations are realizing that diversity is good for business as it relates to having innovative ideas. So you want difference in, 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 on your team now. You want difference in your community. You want difference for anything you're going to direct um, a team of people to solve a problem. Diversity is great. And so we have to move beyond our comfort. Right. If we're going to be successful in the marketplace as an organization, organizations that are big and particularly those that are global, they have to have a different perspective to, to beat out their competitors. And so I think from a business perspective, heterogeneity is, is, is critical for marketplace success. But I also think it makes for a richer life in general. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, it's like I told you when you know, we were talking before the recording around Charleston, South Carolina had the privilege of visiting there and just just experiencing that. They have a crazy history with American history. Of course, right? yes. Right? Yeah. The mayor there is doing his best to do something different. He's an amazing man. Um, but the food, for instance, there, because I'm a foodie. Man, the food game in Charleston is like world class, you know, and – He's trying to... Which, which for, for those who aren't students yes. of history, comes from that globalism, right? It, that's exactly right. It comes from the fact that they everybody at some point in time kind of came through Land that there, right? path. Yeah. Yeah. you got the Gullah tribe, the Gullah people that still live there. They're making baskets still to, in 2019. you got this food because it's an amalgamation of all these different people kind of parking at some point in time during trade in Charleston. And I'm like... That's a good thing. You can point at music, like new country, like that's something we didn't have 25 years ago. Yeah. Alternative and country music together. Asian fusion food. And so it's all these mixtures actually, which help us. I think it celebrates who we are. And I also think it's, it's, it's just good for our, our, the tapestry of our lives. Before we started recording, we were, we were talking about our family life. Right, and, right, you know, right. I, I want to get your, your perspective on parenting. You've yes. got two kids yes. on opposite coasts. Right. In similar phases of life, although not exactly, right? One right. of them is still in school, one of them right. is graduated. Right, right, but yeah. I'm interested in, in you and your wife's perspective on 
how you're coaching them in 2016, right. 17, 18, 19, right. 27, right? No, that's, that's great. No, so in fact, one of, maybe one of the stories I think that's connected to that is we took our son, who was the oldest, out of private school because it was less ethically diverse in that school system, right? We took him to Kentwood Public Schools. Gotcha. And right, Kentwood is really interesting because it's 90 languages, 70 countries. Like, where can you get that, right? And even if you talk about it from terms of a military base, socioeconomically, they're going to be pretty homogenous within that. Yeah. And so we took we took our we took Brandon out. We put him. We put Brandon in KPS, and then Brooks to follow. What I see now, Eric, is their friends. When I see who comes to our door when they're here for Christmas break, or, right? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing because I don't know who it's going to be. I just know every time that okay, I may be learning something about a country. When Brooks, my daughter, went, her friend fixed an Afghan an, an Afghan uh, dish. Her her mom did to share with us. I was like, this is really cool, you know. So from from day one, we knew first of all we were going to instill a value of travel into our kids because it just does so much to break apart ignorance, and then put them in, immerse them in the school district, and the school district that is trying to do it on purpose. Now I don't know that they always did that, but they do it now, and so now when they move, so one being in D.C., one being in Los Angeles, but then traveling inter- internationally, it's it's so fluid for them. And I love that because that's the world we live in. And I want them to be successful wherever they land. And so part of that was travel and exposure to other cultures and people that think differently. The thing that I find fascinating about that is that, again, it pushes against what people think as the normal way to do it, right? Right. Like, we'll go to private school, we'll get a better education, we'll be more successful, right? And instead, we're going the opposite direction. We're gonna go, we're gonna gonna mix it up with people who don't look like me, don't think like me, don't talk like me, don't act like me, and then see how that affects me, how that changes me, right? right? Absolutely, well, and the thing is, and that's, that's a great observation because it would seem that, you know, you wanna put them to private school because of those things. But one of the things for us, Eric, that my wife and I, we really, we really look at cultural competency as an education. It's, it's a part of being a good student. It's a part of being a good community. I think it's a part of being a good citizen. And so early on, we're like, man, that's really cool. I can't get 90 different languages right. anyplace else. Right. And we had to decide, okay, and then on top of that, the academics. So here's the thing. There was no trade-off because oftentimes we'd say, well, you traded this for that. No, we actually gave them a global education, plus their blue ribbon school district, right? So, I mean, kids are going all over the world to go to school. But the cool thing is, is when they land someplace, if the person is different, if the person has a different kind of religious orientation and stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so that was like that. My son's soccer team had 70 different countries on it. Crazy. A lot of Bosnian, a lot of Italian. It was just... So that's that's just the that's just the water they swam in. And I might even argue like blue ribbon demarcation or right. right let's be honest, like right. what you and I learned in high school, what they learned in high school, really doesn't no. actually translate right. to anything useful. <laughs> right? right? You're right. In, right. In, in the, it's you know, true. In the same way that you could make that argument about college. Right. The, co- right. the college experiment is about going there out go. and, and experimenting on your own yeah, and learning yep. how the world right. goes. And, and yeah, you take some classes. Right. But. You, There's more you, education you know, than the class. You took a German basket weaving class. That's not <laughs> right. really good. You're not going right. to remember that. And right. It's not going to help you right. going right. forward. Right. Right. Yes. So true. But you're going to meet these people that 
shape the way that you think. Man. You and I are both music guys. You know yes. that the, the music you're exposed to and listen to from 18, 19, and 20 is the only music you gravitate to for the rest of your yes. life, right? So there's <clears throat> different huge. stuff happening in there those is. college years than college per se. Well, it right? is, yeah. And the thing is, to your point, it's, and it it was the, the the big, to your point, the big benefit of them going to that type of school district, like you said, it wasn't the classes necessarily. It was the fact that every single one of their classes was had 20 different perspectives in it from people from different countries, right? Sure. It taught them how to be citizens, but I, I actually think even deeper, it taught them, I think, how to navigate the world and the marketplace in a way... I believe that cultural competency is is just that. It's a competency. You never arrive. Right. You're always <laughs> right. evolving. Right. I call myself a senior beginner. Yeah. Right? Because I'm still learning stuff. But if you can if you can give someone the gift of exposure and to different cultures and that sets their palate for culture, they'll never meet a stranger. Now, so let's let's go back a little yeah. bit further, right? To talk about you and your wife, yes. if I might. Like how did you guys arrive at this way in bringing up your kids? Like, what oh, wow. was what was your life with your parents like? Her life with her parents, right? Like, how did you arrive here, right? Because that's another path, right? Sure is. I think no, that's a great question, Eric. I think I, you know, I was the traveler when Barbara and I met. She wanted to be married to someone that that was traveled, right? Which was kind of cool. We learned in high sign as we as we kind of talk about our dating stories, right? Sure, right. Um, so I came about, you know, my mom and my stepdad were travelers. My dad, my stepdad was in the service. So I'm eight years old, Grandpa's Michigan, going to, I think, Madison Park at the time. And my mom says, hey, honey, we're going to sit down and talk. Um, we're going to be moving to Korea. I'm like, what's a Korea, first of all, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And so we end up going to, we end up moving to Tongshan, Korea, Eric. Now check this out. I'm not the only african-american kid in the village i'm the only american kid in the village for two years brother wow and so you know how eight years old we're gonna make friends sure so i learned just enough korean to be dangerous but i had to navigate that world or not have friends and eight year old you're gonna have some friends yep we stayed there and we didn't live on the base my mom homeschooled me before it was cool and she essentially I, my education was she'd come home she was a counselor for gis at the time but my upbringing was in Korea for two years. I came back. I was bitten by the bug. I mean, the travel bug. Came back, went to Blue Lake International Choir. That was Europe. Went to Up With People for a year. Traveled, lived out of a suitcase, 98 host families. So when I got married, I was like, travel. I know how, how it really helped me. So one of the values of the family, as we, Barb and I kind of talked about that, was we're going to travel as a family. And so she's like, yeah, because I've always wanted to go see this and this and that. And I'd done lots of travel anyway. But so she was like, this makes sense to me. Let's go. Sure. And so as we talked about our kids, it was just it was just an understanding that our ki- we're going to travel. And you have to I think we as a parents, well, we, we articulated it as a value for the Welch household. Traveling is just part of what we're going to do. And which means that maybe sometimes we had to say no to some other things as a related to spending. Uh huh. So that we could actually do the travel. But the education and what it provides when you take kids around the world, 
was it was it was something so amazing. It's funny because we we come from a very similar ideology in that you know my wife and I two years ago met with a financial advisor yeah. and he's like so what are we what are we gonna save up for are you guys you know are, are you gonna uh-huh. buy a cottage or I'm like nope mm-hmm. I want to go to Iceland tomorrow bingo how do I do that <laughs> exactly right? like, yes I want to do that exactly I want to go to my daughter and go hey you you've never been to Africa oh, cool pack a bag let's you. go figure that out exactly right, right. what a gift. She, I mean, the, your kids will never be this. It's life changing. They'll never be the same. Well, and yes, and like, and to derail for just a moment, yeah, right? Sure. Like, in an age of Airbnb and or RBRO, like, what do I need a cottage for? Thank you. Why would I want to buy? <laughs> right. Like, why would I want to buy a place in one place? Right. When I can see that I can use I can them get all. an apartment anywhere. <laughs> right. Go online. Go to your app, and you're like, oh man, let's go here. We got an apartment here. It's got a pool here. It makes it so much easier, and so. When your kids are growing up and with mom and dad, they say travel is a part of what we do. You're giving them, I heard, and I, I might miss the stat a little bit, but I've heard like going to a place for one week, going to another country of one week is like reading like 21 books about that country. Oh, wow. I mean, it literally, it's a gift that keeps on giving. And so that's where travel is such a huge part of, I think, life. And the thing is, and in this bridge up world now, instead of bridge down world, Man, if we don't get across the bridges, I just think separation breeds ignorance. It has to, right? right? Unfortunately, it right. has to. Right, unfortunately. But that's just part of it. I'm like, I don't want that to be part of the legacy I passed on to my kids. Um, and, they, and, I, and, and they know now that, that, that uh, travel is such an important part. So Are they traveling on their own now? Yeah. Yeah. Brandon was in, a, Brandon went to, a, he, he got an internship in London. That London... Uh, he every weekend he was gone to Milan or Paris or different places. He came back, graduated from from school, and then went to within three weeks won a design award. Was off to Tokyo, Japan. All this by himself. Brooks is going to be working downtown in Manhattan and Spotify, doing her thing, and then she's going to be doing some stuff overseas, some internships, and so we've encouraged that, and so we love it. And some parents, I mean, it, it won't bug you guys because of how you're thinking about raising your kids as well. But people say, Brandon's over in Tokyo. I'm like, isn't that great? And right. they're looking like, oh, my word. <laughs> I'm like, but how are we going to ever teach them to launch if we don't let them launch? Yeah, for sure. You know, and again, from a faith perspective, you pray over your kids. You know, you keep, you know, dialed in. Make sure that they have a relationship with God. And it's like, okay, you'll be protected and just, just keep going. And so that's kind of how we really navigated that because we never wanted them to to uh, not be, a, to, to, we never wanted them to be afraid to go experience another culture. Let's bring this thing around and kind of wrap this yeah, up, right? Sure. And we're celebrating Black History Month. Yes. One of my other guests, Julian Newman, I, yeah. I think kind of succinctly put it like this, is that black history in America is American history. It is, yeah, right? absolutely. You know, if somebody is interested, right? They've they've had a, a let's let's go back a year, right? They right. let's use pop culture as kind of mm-hmm. like the catalyst. They right. watched Black Panther, um, right. they got excited about that. They yep. then watched Into the Spider-Verse and got right. excited about that. Right. And yes. now they actually want to go and maybe go backwards, right? And understand right. a little something about or even, you know, maybe they even watch the Green Book and they're like, what is a yeah, green book? And how's that work? Like right. what That's are some great. you know, what are some I love that. The movie was incredible. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> it was excellent. What are some places where you think people should start if they mm. want to better understand wow. African American culture here in this month? Okay. Um, so I do and think I know that's a giant question. That's but okay. Like, if you could give me, if you could only give me one, like 
So listen to this Duke Ellington record, right? Like if right. you only give one right. thing, what would that So this is so crazy. I mean, okay, so I thought about this. Um, so first of all, I think that um, there are certain films, like you said, Green Book is, is one of those. I think movies are fun, right? It, but they also can educate, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, that's a, so I'll talk about it in terms of modalities or mediums. So films are a great way. Um, one of the things I also think is there's, there's um, film and there's music like, you know, there's Oscar Peterson. There's, um, you know, it's, I, I went back to uh, Handel's Soulful Messiah that Quincy Jones produced. And at the beginning, the first track on the CD or the, or the file is this musical journey from Africa all the way back up, all the way up to Count Basie and up to like hip hop in this one cut on the CD. It's a musical journey. Um, I think, as you said, Duke Ellington. I think there's some kind of foundational kind of pillars in, in the culture. Count Basie, Miles Davis. Um, there, is, there are so many things. Study Harlem. Study sure. some of the writings of James Baldwin. Yes, right? please do that. Thank you. Right? Right? Yes. Well, and, and, and I would say, honestly, to go back to movies, like, yeah. um, because I, th I think one of the things that's difficult for people to start is they don't want to ask the wrong question because of, of, of the, See, the, out, because of the outrage culture. I, right? I hear you, Eric. You know, here's and, and, uh, yes. And so not to, I'll, I'll, that's great. Right? Yeah. Um, I'll let you go in just no, one you're second. Fine. But go what man. I wanted to say is like, one of the ways, guys, that if you're fascinated and want to learn more, I promise you the best two hours you'll spend this year is watching the documentary I'm Not Your Negro. Oh, brother, come because, on. Like, Isn't that a great movie? Well, and, it's a great doc. And, and I think it covers a lot of ground. It does. A lot of ground. And I love the way they kind of interdisperse current yes, with past and current with past. And it's just how he did it and how they actually put together the doc. As you said, it's a, it's a well-invested two hours, right? It, it, it just is, you know. And I think that, you know, and then, then there's some things around foodways. When you begin to study food and African-American culture, you sure. know, go to some great, I tell folks, get, if you get an opportunity to go to, go to Harlem or at least research something about Harlem, because Harlem was, is an, a, just, a, just an amazing uh, space for African-American culture. Um, I think if they, people go online and start studying what I call Black Wall Streets, Brownsville in Chicago, uh, Harlem in Chicago, uh, New York, um, Greenwood in Oklahoma near Tulsa. There's some there's some economic history as well that James Baldwin gets into a little bit, but there's those types of things. Um, you know, I wrote a book. Eh, it came out in May, and it was around 101 ways to enjoy the mosaic. Right. Sure. Yeah. And it was the point of it was to, it's, as you said, how do people get started? You know, I would say that I wrote that to that person that says. I don't know how to get started. Well, I can think of 101 ways to get you started. <laughs> right. But really the reason was is because we're all in different places in the journey. And you can't fault anybody for being where they are, right? You can fault them for staying where they are, sure. right? Because you, you want to grow. But the whole idea is, is just start where you can. I say movies is a great medium. Music is a great medium. And, it, you know, these days on the Internet, go on top 10 jazz songs, you know, a portion of it's going to be African-American. Of course, you got your Benny Goodmans and stuff like that. But you're going to find people that are just amazing musicians, African-American. And you can hear the history in it. Ken Burns' jazz series, that yeah. 10 DVD, whatever, the collection, that's a great start. Might take you the whole month to do that one. It will take it and a commitment, <laughs> right? But those are all things that educate. And I think, and you know, as Julian said, it is African-American history is American history. It all works. It all works together, and it's what makes it. What makes the flavor of our nation so interesting? People are wanting to come here for 
reason. That's what I think is so special about it. Now we now we have to learn how to not just navigate the differences. I actually think we need to learn more about how to leverage those differences and say, the goal is not for me to be like you or do you be like me, because if two of us are exactly alike, then one of us is unnecessary, right? So I want to actually, because I, I have blind spots, but if I have you in my life, actually I can minimize that blind spot because you see stuff I don't see. And so that's where I think the whole idea of community is just so powerful. We really are smarter together, man. We just get dumber by the minute when we separate. Scott, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Have a great month. Bro. Yeah, you too, man.